Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Broadway Overanalyzed, a new podcast where we will be focusing our attention not on the Broadway stage, but on the orchestra pit underneath. In every episode, we will feature a new Broadway score to be overanalyzed. We'll be giving an overview of the show's soundtrack, dissecting the show's recurring themes, and diving into its style, structure, and influences. My name is Samuel Riddle, and I will be hosting this podcast alongside my sister, Lydia. Lydia, ready to go? I think so. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so uh, neither of us has any uh, music training, and actually neither of us has ever really been super involved in any theatrical shows, really. Neither of us has acted in a show before. Uh, <laughs> but here we are, starting a podcast uh, about of- Broadway. Yeah, it's kind of that musical theater has been a huge hobby of ours, I guess, growing up. I think probably our grandparents and our parents just introduced us to, like, Les and Phantom of the Opera. And so we've always been very into musicals, seeing musicals, like, when we could. Um, So, yeah, I think that's kind of what sparked the interest. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably through my YouTube channel where I play piano covers of show tunes. And so... One of my favorite hobbies is to just take a Broadway score and play through it or as much as I can and try to uh, just sort of figure out what recurring themes are going on, what sort of patterns we're seeing. And and Broadway music is, is so in- entertaining as well because it's different with every score. You get every single musical genre. And so I think that's going to be one of the cool things that we'll see throughout this podcast when we look at different scores. Uh, But anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started here and talk about the show that we'll be doing for the first ever episode of this podcast. And the show that we're going to be looking at today is the 2012 musical Newsies. You know, Lynn, you talked about how uh, we were always sort of growing up listening to Broadway music, but I, th- I feel like Newsies was sort of one of the first shows that we really got into. Mm, yeah, I think it was the first show that kind of got us into Broadway culture, knowing what's on Broadway and like the Tony Awards. And I remember seeing like the Newsies performance on the Tony Awards. Um, yeah. All the choreography is I remember we took a trip to New York City with some yeah. friends of ours in like 2012 or 2013 and we saw all the posters and I remember listening to the soundtrack on our drive back from New York City mm-hmm. and it was yeah. pretty cool and then for my 14th birthday I got the piano vocal selections book for Newsies mm-hmm. I really liked it I it was, it was like the first sort of Broadway music I started to play, and it just sort of started it all. Yeah. We wore out that cast recording as well. Like, oh, yeah. Playing it in the car and learning the harmony and, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, listen to it nonstop. We did not see the show on Broadway. We did see uh, the national tour. I don't remember if you. I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you remember this. But we 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 saw the show twice because we saw it. We lived like two hours away from where it was being performed, but we saw it with our family 
on like a Friday night and we loved it so much. We were like, we got to go see it again. And so we convinced like uh, three friends to buy tickets last minute. And we saw it again, like two days later. Yeah. And it was it's kind of like after you see a show that high that you're on that you're like, I can't believe what I just saw. Like this was so, like, we had to see it again. We staged door too. Yeah, true. I'll mention one other thing before we move along. We also, uh, so Newsies was also, the stage version of Newsies was filmed in, uh, I, thought, I wish I had written this down, I think in 2015. Uh, it was filmed and it's on Disney Plus now, so you can watch it. But we went and saw this with some other friends who we dragged along with us to see the show in movie theaters. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I guess we're uh, pretty pretty legit Newsies fans. I, I didn't realize until I was looking back, sort of, at what this show has meant. But uh, So that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to start with Newsies, because it's meant a lot to us. And I think it's, it tells us a lot about how we started, sort of, with show tunes. Let's get started with talking about the show a little bit. And I want to start off with talking about the history of the show and about uh, the composer. And so Lyd, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the composer for the show and sort of get us into how it made its way from the flop movie that it was up until its uh, run on Broadway? So the composer of Newsies is Alan Minkin, um, which if you're not familiar with his name, you probably are 100% familiar with his work. Um, I actually went to see him at the Kennedy Center right before, like, COVID happened um, and everything. I went to see him kind of perform in person, um, and I remember him saying that so many people have told him that he wrote the soundtrack to their childhoods, which I feel is very true for me as well. Um, if you're, like, a 90s kid, um, you will know Minkin's music. He started kind of the Disney renaissance, um, he wrote the music for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, um, and then more recently, he's written the music for Enchanted and Tangled. Um, so if you're familiar with, if you're like a big Disney fan, uh, you know Alan Minkin's music. But he got his start off-Broadway um, with Little Shop of Horrors. Um, and he wrote that with Howard Ashman. Um, Howard Ashman was very experienced um, in the theater. Um, so when he came to Disney, um, I watched, there's a, on Disney Plus, there's also a documentary about Howard Ashman. Um, and the animators talk about how Howard Ashman talked to the animators about how musical theater and animation have a golden age at the same time. Um, so the golden age of musicals, you have Rodgers and Hammerstein kind of coming of age, Oklahoma, um, King and I, all those great like golden age musicals, um, kind of goes along at the same pace of like Disney golden age animation. Um, so you have like Pinocchio, Bambi, Walt Disney style animation, um, and just talks about how musicals complement animation. Um, so there's a classic want that the character has when you're talking about like an I want song. Um, and also the animation just makes the music more believable, um, which is maybe why Newsies flopped, <laughs> <laughs> because it was a live action uh, musical, which I think is, j there are some good live action musicals, I think. 
Um, but I think it's, it's more, it's a more difficult, um, thing to, to do successfully. Um, so Newsies, the movie came in between right after Beauty and the Beast, um, or in that, in that kind of time period where Alan Minkin was writing, like, the best Disney movies, um, and kind of where he got his start. I Um, think, um, I think Aladdin and Newsies both came out in 1992. Oh, really? Same I'm not year. sure which came first, but yeah, same year, which is kind of crazy that yeah. he was writing both of those at the same time. Anyway. Honestly, yeah. Um, but it was starring Christian Bale, who I read was not happy that he, when he found out that it was a musical, he didn't know. <laughs> and it's interesting to see him in this role, I guess, when he goes on to play like Batman. So this is, a, it's interesting to see Christian Bale as a teenager just singing and, and doing choreography which was done by Kenny Ortega oh my Are you gosh familiar with Kenny Ortega Samuel uh, the amazing director of High School Musical and Cheetah Girls <laughs> yes. well I'm so proud of you for I know I did my research on this also uh okay. this, this was his like uh debut as a director Newsies mm. was. so kind of a rough start <laughs> to his directing debut but hey he came through with High School Musical so you know also well High School Musical is one of the great works of, I love, I'm not bashing High School Musical, honestly, I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Big I, can't wait, I can't wait for the podcast where we overanalyze the score of High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, that would be, actually be amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the movie did not do very well. I think, I've heard people talk about it where it just, it felt like community theater. Honestly, I mean, I love High School Musical, but the fact that it did have Kenny Ortega directing, it, it feels like a little Disney Channel, maybe. Um, and so it, it just did not perform well. Um, and Alan Minkin actually won a Razzie Award, um, which is an award for the worst song of the year. Um, and he won this award for a song in Newsies, High Times, Hard Times, which is in the movie, not in the musical, probably for this reason. Um, and it was sung by Meta. Larkin. Um, so the movie did not do well, but the, f- the movie kind of grew this fan base. People loved the movie. Um, and I also heard, you know, Alan Minkin say things like every time he would go kind of play medleys of his songs, things like this, people in the audience would be requesting Newsies and like begging for him to play Newsies songs. Um, so he saw that it kind of had this, this, ar- this already grown kind of fan base for the musical. Um, so they get Hi- Harvey Firestein on board. Um, he revamps the show with a new book. Um, it's produced off-Broadway at the Paper Mill Playhouse, moves to Broadway in 2012. Um, it's there for two years and then goes on tour. And it's really successful as a Broadway show. I feel like this is kind of where the show finds its home. It didn't work as a movie, but it, it really, I think, performs, performs well on stage. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Tony Awards a little bit too. This was this was the show uh, for which Alan Minkin won his first Tony Award. I'm pretty sure. Um, so uh, there were Newsies was nominated for eight Tony Awards, um, and it won two Tonys. One of them was for best score, and that was for Alan Minkin. And then also the lyricist was Jack Feldman, who also did the lyrics uh, for the movie. And then the other one was for best choreography uh, for Kenny Ortega. Just kidding. <laughs> it was uh, actually for Chris Catelli. I don't know much about him. I don't know if you do, Lydia. Uh, 
But I, I looked up and 2012 was a weird year for the Tony Awards. The winner of, for, the, for Best Musical that year was Once. Um, yeah, which, but Once, Once is also like a, it was a movie, it became a stage show. Once was not nominated for Best Score, um, which I don't know. I think there's some limitations on it. Ha there has to be like an, some amount of new music from the movie or something like that. Yeah. But but the there were only four nominations for Best Score, and uh, out of those four, which is which is a small number, I I think. But uh, of those four nominations, two of them were for plays, which really? is. Yeah, which is really weird. So I'm not trying to downplay the Neasy score, but it seemed like it got kind of an easy one. The, the two plays were, the first one was Peter and the Starcatcher. Oh, which I love. Oh, my gosh. I yeah, we, we saw that. It was really good. Not on Broadway, but. Um, and then the, the other play, sorry, this is a bunch of random information, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> the, the other play that was nominated for best score was One Man, Two Governors. Do you, are you familiar with that play? <laughs> Corden. Yeah, which James Corden started and got his wow. first penny for. Um, and then the other musical that was nominated besides Newsies was Bonnie and Clyde, which stars Jeremy Jordan. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't re I didn't realize that like 2012 was a big year for him because he was in Newsies and as the as the main role, and then also in Bonnie and Clyde as the main role and he was nominated for one of those Tony Awards for best actor in the musical. So that's a little background for the show, and I'm going to get you to take the reins on this one as well, Lynn. Uh, <laughs> can you give me like a, a super brief synopsis of the plot of the show? Tell me about the uh, setting, just really briefly, and I can uh, pop in as well, but, and just like who the characters are, and could you just maybe talk a little bit about that? Yes. I can. I didn't research. Right, I, I thought I had told you that you were going to be taking this one. Just really quickly. You should be able to do this, right? It's about a newsboy's, a newsboy's strike in New York in the late 1800s. 1899, yeah. <laughs> Very late 1800s. Um, so basically, um, Jack Kelly is the main character. Um, he lives in New York as a newsboy. Um, and newsboys sell tapes, not headlines, so I feel like we had to mention that one time. Um, but basically these boys are selling papers on the streets, um, and one day Pulitzer decides to jack up the price of the papes, um, which causes the newsboys to strike. Um, they put together their own union, um, and eventually kind of come to a, a compromise that we can all live with with Pulitzer. So yes, is that a good, is that a good, so now I didn't really give any other characters other than Jack Kelly, but. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That, that was great. Uh, okay. and, I'm, and I'm sure we'll be talking more about the score uh, because at the very end of this podcast, I want to just sort of go through the soundtrack 
and uh, just look at each song and go through some of the recurring themes and patterns that we see in the score. Um, but before uh, we dive into that, I wanted to uh, take a look at what kind of music this is. Um, so I think that this score is really unique among Mankins because uh, most of his scores are, as Lydia was talking about, for like Disney princess movies or for like animated uh, movies that don't really fit into any or don't really have to fit into any specific time period. Um, and Newsies is completely different because it's based on a true story. And I, I think in a way the score is used really just as much as the um, set design or the costumes to sort of set the scene for the story that's going to be told. Um, and so what I tried to do is I kind of tried to look up what kind of music was popular from 1890 to 19 to the early 1900s to sort of get a good idea of what Mencken may have been listening to uh, for help on this while he was writing the score. Um, so there are several musical styles that were popular during this time period that I do think Mencken thought about when he was uh, writing Newsies. And so the first musical style that I want to talk about is something called ragtime. Um, and this was uh, a style of music that was very popular in uh, the late 19th century. And it was often played just as uh, piano solos. A big ragtime name you may have heard of before is Scott Joplin. And I'm going to play uh, a little piece that is probably his most famous piece. I'm sure you've heard it before. It's kind of the the classic ragtime piece. It's called The Entertainer. Um, you probably know the name, but I'm just going to play this real quick for you so you can listen to the style of the ragtime music and see if uh, you can sort of catch a little glimpse of Newsies in there. I'm sure every child that ever took piano <laughs> is having like flashbacks right now to trying to play the entertainer. Right, so if I were to play a ragtime piece on the piano, it follows a pretty basic structure. What we have is we have, uh, if I, so if I were playing this on the piano, I'd have my left hand and I would be maintaining this uh, beat of four quarter notes going on in my left hand. So if I were counting this out, I would, it would just be, it'd be like a steady march, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, okay? And then on beats one and three within that measure, I would play a really low uh, note, probably just a single note or maybe an octave. And then on beats two and four, I would play uh, a higher note. If you've heard of like an oompa rhythm, this is sort of what that is. So it's like low, high, low, high, low, high, oompa, oompa. Okay, so that's sort of what we've got going on in the left hand. And then what makes ragtime special is you've got that going in in the bass, and then you've got this melody that's cutting into this steady march that's going on, and it cuts into the 
the rhythm of the steady march and it gives it this ragged sound. So that's why it's called ragtime. Uh, yeah. So there you go. You learn something new every day. Um, but um, so this ragtime style is actually pretty common throughout the Newsy score. And I'm just going to play two quick examples of that in Newsies. And so when I play these, listen for the, it's a little harder to hear when it's the full orchestra playing and not just the piano, but you're going to hear this steady oompa going on in the bass. And then you'll hear the rhythmic melody going on over top of that. So first I want to play uh, an excerpt from Carrying the Banner. It takes a smile that spreads like butter, the kind that turns a lady's head. It takes an orphan with a stutter, who's also blind and mute and dead. What is the, what is the baseline I'm listening for? Okay, yeah. So in, in this, in these orchestrations, the bass you're listening to is I, it's either a tuba or a bass trombone. I'm, my ears aren't great to be able to hear this stuff, but it's definitely some sort of brass instrument. I, it sounds like a tuba to me, but when I was looking up the instruments that are used uh, in the Newsies Orchestra, there's no tuba mentioned. So I think it's a bass well, trombone. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna play an excerpt from That's Rich now, which is mm. kind of like the, it's like the classic ragtime piece in the show, I think. And yeah. so I think it's a little easier to hear. So let me play that. Uh -huh, that feels good. I like that. I live in a mansion on Long Island Sound. I pulled up a weed, they found oil in the ground. But you telling me you don't want me around. Now, honey, that's rich. And then another... Uh, popular style of music around this time that I wanted to talk about was just march music, uh, or you could also think of it as big band music. Um, and so this was, this was basically like jazz music that was played by brass instruments. So we've, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, this, the like ragtime march that's going on. Uh, and then um, you've, but then in big band, you've got the march without the syncopated rhythm that's going on over top of that. Um, and you've got a lot of emphasis on these brass instruments, which is really the core of the Newsy score. Um, and so let me just play one example of, uh, have you heard the name John Philip Sousa? Yes, I think so. So he's sort of, he's, he is to, to this big band sound, what Scott Joplin is to ragtime. Uh, so he was really big, late 1890s. And so I'm just gonna play one of his songs, The Thunderer. Um, and you'll, you'll just sort of get a sense of this brass march sound that's uh, all over the Newsy score. Okay, so you can hear the, you hear, there's a lot of emphasis on the trumpets. There's some drumming as well. You got some snare drums. Um, so you have that big band sound. So if I, if I like clash the ragtime and the big band together, then mm -hmm. I would get that, that Newsies sound that Alan Menken uh, is doing in his score. Okay.
One more thing that I wanted to talk about, and I could also talk about there were there were other there are other styles of music that I know are throughout the Newsy score. Like there's jazz and there's swing, but they're they're a little harder for me to nail down as musical elements that we see. But I think they're also incorporated into the score in more subtle ways. Um, but one thing that's interesting about this score is we have all these period specific things that are going on, but then uh, there's also this rock sound that you hear in a lot of the music. Um, and so uh, I was looking at the, um, it's like the MTI website, um, which is like the site that uh, you can go to to try to get the rights for Newsies or whatever. Um, but this was the MTI website's description for the score of Newsies that they gave. They said, Newsies is a contemporary and energetic theater musical with additional musical elements of 1970s rock and ragtime references. Okay, so Minkin's combining this ragtime and this big band sound with 1970s rock, which seems really weird. Why do you think, I mean, do you think there's, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason, but do you have any, like, speculations as to why he would clash these two styles? The, my hypothesis is that the reason that he's putting this 1970s rock sound is it, is it to give it more of a intensity. Um, so you heard the thunder and you heard the entertainer and they're like, you know, cute little tunes and everything, yeah. but there's nothing really intense and driving about it. And uh, that's something that is really big in news. I remember when we like saw this show live, it was, it was the most energetic show I'd ever seen. Yeah. There, there was so much energy. There's so much intensity. There's, it's a dance heavy show. So there needs to be something that's kind of driving all of this. And, and I'm not sure if this is as much Alan Menken as it is the orchestrator, uh, Danny Troop, who orchestrated Newsies. Um, but I don't know a ton about 1970s rock, and I don't know much about drums, but I think that most of that rock sound comes from the drums that are playing in Newsies. And I, I, I did a little bit of research, and what makes 1970s rock uh, um, unique is that it used single-headed tom drums. Okay. Don't, yeah, don't know what those are. I wish I did. Sorry, I, I'm not a drummer. <laughs> um, and and then it also uh, used a lot of cymbals in there as well. So let me just play for you. Uh, a, I just YouTubed like 1970s rock drum beat. <laughs> and so I'm going to play that for you. I want to play two examples um, from Newsies uh, to sort of show you where these drums pop up in the score. So I'm going to play an excerpt from The World Will Know and then one from Once and For All, uh, which I think are sort of the two rock songs in the show, I think you could call them. Um, and so here's uh, a little excerpt from The World Will Know. Yeah. 
I feel like it's, I think it's so, like, I didn't know any of this, but I feel like it, it adds so much to my understanding of the show because kind of the ragtime and the big band kind of sets it in the time period. But the 70s, I feel like when I think of the 70s, I think of it as like a very rebellious time. So I think it just adds to like the rebellious tone of the show that like these are kids like against the power, um, like fighting for their rights. I, I feel like it, it helps it helps form the tone of the show to kind of be, be more rebellious like that, so. Uh, let me play one more example from uh, Once and For All. So this is the, this like chorus that you hear in Once and For All that's like really big and dramatic. And this, oh. is, this, this is a great example of the, the drum sound, yeah. The goosebumps. <laughs> no. So good. That was, uh, that was such a great part in the show. Oh I remember. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about we've got ragtime, we've got big band, we've got some jazz and some swing music in there, and then we've also got this mix of 1970s rock. And we've talked about how that gives it this rebellious, energetic, intense feel to it. And I think it would be helpful for us to uh, talk about how, just how big of a difference that makes. And so I'm not trying to slam the movie too much, but I wanted to play some snippets from the movie to show you how much, especially that drum sound changes the score for you. And you're gonna see how the intensity it's just for the movie, it just like, it comes down. It's just not as, I don't know, it's, it's not as moving. And so I'm going to play an excerpt from the movie soundtrack of The World Will Know. So you can you can hear some snare drums in there, yeah. uh, but you you don't have the steady beat of the single-headed toms and the cymbal crashing. Right. So we've talked about some of the musical influences for Newsies, um, and now we're going to transition into talking a little bit about each song um, in the score. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be going through the original Broadway cast recording for Newsies. Obviously, what's on the soundtrack is not exclusively uh, the music and the score. Uh, that's one of the great things about musical theater. A lot of the music in a show can only be heard if you go to see the show live. 
or if you have a, a filmed version on Disney Plus. <laughs> um, uh, but let's take a look at uh, what was recorded and released, at least in the uh, soundtrack itself. So there are 17 tracks in this soundtrack, not including the three bonus tracks, which <laughs> we listened to. I forgot about those. Yeah. Remember the track with uh, Alan Menken playing piano? Oh. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a time. yeah. And then, uh, with, so within this recording, we have, there's 10 tracks in the first act, and then there's seven tracks in act two. So let's just walk through all of these. For some of them, we'll have, I'll have, we'll have some things to say, and for some of them, I think we'll probably just breeze by them, because, <laughs> you know, there are some that are better than others. So let's start off with number one. This is The Overture. Um, it's kind of a deceptive title because if you know musical theater, you know that, a new, that an overture is uh, really just a big um, medley of all of the songs or a sample of the songs within the show. Uh, the Newsies Overture is not that. It's really just uh, instrumental prologue into the show. And it's really just an instrumental version of Seize the Day. So it starts off with this solo trumpet and you hear the melody of Seize the Day and then it gets joined by uh, the whole uh, orchestra. I, When you were talking about kind of the 70s influences, I have kind of written on my notes here that there's a lot of electric guitar in this overture, which I thought I thought was interesting. down there. They sucked the life right out of my old man. Well, they ain't doing that to me. But everyone wants to come and then moving on to uh, the second track in the soundtrack, we have the um, Santa Fe prologue. Um, and this is, I don't know, Lydia, would you call this the I Want song or is it too early? It's interesting because I I feel like I would call Santa Fe the I Want song, and I thought this was something that was so interesting when I was kind of going through the track list, is usually in a musical, you'll start with an opening, there's kind of a formula for how musicals are written, and you start with an opening number. The opening number introduces usually all the characters and the world of the show, the setting, um, so you kind of know what you're getting into with the opening number, and then usually after that, um, you'll get an I Want song. Um, so kind of just to use another Alan Minkin example, um, let's say Aladdin, you start with Arabian Nights and you get this setting and the tone of the show and then you kind of get to one jump ahead, maybe the reprise is more of um, Aladdin's I Want songs, you kind of know where that main character's direction is, but in Newsies, it seems like the I Want song kind of comes before the opening number, so did you, did you have any thoughts about why maybe they made that switch? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I think it's really just maybe to introduce us to the main character maybe before setting the scene uh, and showing his relationship with Crutchy, who I don't think we've mentioned is this crippled friend of uh, Jack's. I don't know, that might be an offensive term, I don't know. Uh, but he's a, a friend of Jack's uh, who's uh, sort of like a, a younger brother to him. 
Um, I, I watched an interview with um, Harvey Firestein, who wrote the book, um, who said that kind of putting this song first um, kind of just sets Jack up as the main character. There's so many different newsies and so many different characters. Um, it sets Jack up as a main character. And I think it, like, I mean, like you were saying before, kind of just is maybe a theme for Crutchy and Jack's friendship um, throughout the show as well, that he's, you know, he's caring for the, for this guy as a younger brother. And then also the song that's not on the Broadway cast recording is a song that was added later for the tour, um, which is a song that Crutchy sings. And he, Crutchy kind of reprises or praises, how do you say that, um, Santa Fe in that song. So I feel like that kind of lends itself to, maybe this is a dream that they both have. I'm okay. Guess I wasn't much help yesterday. Snyder silked me real good with my crutch. Oh yeah, Jack. This is crutchy, by the way. And, and that sort of brings me into what I wanted to talk about regarding the themes of this show. So there, this is, it's kind of interesting uh, with musical theater. There are, there are songs throughout the show that are sung, but then there's also a lot of um, underscore and there's a lot of uh, themes that are repeated throughout the score that you wouldn't get in like a pop music soundtrack. You know, normally it's sort of like one and done as far as the tunes go, but this is all one cohesive story. And so there are uh, a lot of themes that are going on throughout this. And not every song is a theme, but there's definitely a specific uh, theme in the Santa Fe prologue. And I, I'll, I'll just call it the Santa Fe theme. It's all over the place. And I wanted to play on the piano. I, I don't have a piano with me here, but I'm just gonna play a little recording of myself playing uh, the piano. And I wanna play what that theme is for Santa Fe. And normally what these, I, I'm calling them themes. I don't know if they have any specific name in musical theater. Maybe you call it a tag perhaps, um, but it's just sort of a, a quick melody that's, uh, that's gonna, when I, when I hear this, I think, oh, that's the sound of Santa Fe. So here's how it uh, is on the piano. I love it. It's so like, it's wistful. Like at the end, it's kind of like almost leaving you there at the top. And I think that, yeah, lends itself to a good I want song for sure. Right. That's one of the uh, interesting things also about a lot of these uh, themes that I've been listening to is they always kind of end like there's more coming. And so they're, they're used as ways to transition either between scenes or between songs. So it's always left without any, uh, it's not on the dominant chord. And so it's always, it, it's making you you're wanting something more to be coming from. But yeah, it's a, it's a really pretty theme, really simple. It, it's basically just a core, I two major chords. One is a whole step up from the other one. And it's uh, what, what Alan Minkin does in a lot of these things, and we'll probably talk about this more, is they're very short. And what he does is he extends them by just jumping around to different keys um, to sort of expand on them, to make them uh, uh, last longer. Um, and 
it, it really lets us understand, uh, remember them when we hear them all throughout uh, the musical. And then um, they can be used in different ways uh, throughout the show so that they're still familiar to us, but they can be used to uh, create a different kind of emotion when we hear it. So we, we hear it, we, we know what it was, but it, it gives us some sort of new understanding of what's going on. And so uh, let me play just an example of that with the uh, Santa Fe theme. Um, so the first one I wanted to talk about is uh, the playoff that plays after Crutchy and Jack have sung this song. Um, and there's this theme, but it's played much more uh, quickly um, and much more um, uh, in a much more excited manner. So let me play that for you if I can. So it's really it's really brief, but you hear it and it merges into the carrying the banner melody. But it's it's used as the you know it all of a sudden it becomes it turns from this wistful dreamlike melody to something that's getting you excited, which is really cool. It's just such a great transition, I guess, into carrying the banner. And I, I I've always thought when I go to see shows, one of my favorite things about musicals is just watching transitions from scene to scene, because I mean, in a movie, you would just cut and edit the, the scene, but in a musical, it has to go, like, seamlessly from one scene to the other, and I think music is one way to kind of accomplish that, I think, kind of moving in, how they move in sets and things like that is too, but I've always thought that's just, I love watching, like, transitions between scenes when I go to see a show. I want to play one more example of this theme, so we've seen it as sort of this wistful uh, dream uh, dreaming sort of uh, feeling and then we've seen it as this excited transition into carrying the banner. It's also, you hear it briefly throughout the score a lot. Here's another example of it sort of sounding a little more agitated within the main Santa Fe song that uh, Jack sings at the end of Act One um, and it's really quick um, but you'll hear it and I just want to play that for you. Santa Fe Where does it say you gotta live and die here? Okay, did you hear it? No. <laughs> it's uh, so let, let me yeah, let me play it again. It's um let me go through to my head. Uh it's it's gonna be like dun -na -na -dun, dun -na -na -dun. Oh, oh yeah. Right yeah. right as it's changing. That's the yeah, that's the same theme that we're hearing here, but it's a little more of an agitated feel too. Let me let me play it one more time. Santa Fe Where does it say you gotta live and die? I got it that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. So so it's a really short theme. It can be really subtle at times. It can it it's just a single melody that can be used to express different emotions, which is really cool. Hey, that's my cigar. Go steal another. Hey look, it's bath time at the zoo. I thought that I'd surprise my mother. If you can find her, bless you! 
Okay, so let's move on to the third track in the, in the soundtrack. And I, I realize we spent a long time on Santa Fe Prologue. I'm not, a, and honestly, probably gonna spend a long time on Carrying the Banner because it's a pretty important song in the score. But I promise it's this podcast isn't gonna be like 24 hours long. Okay, so let's talk about Carrying the Banner. Um, so Lydia, you sort of touched on this, but there's always a song in uh, the show that sets the scene. Um, and this is really the song in the score that does uh, that. Um, so I, I, I would compare it to, um, like you, you said, Arabian Nights from Aladdin or Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Um, and it's cool because it normally has, again, especially in these Alan Menken scores, really simple short melody again it's changing keys all over the place that allows this short melody to be played over and over again um uh throughout the song but without us getting bored of it and there's uh, a lot of times in these types of songs there's a lot of dialogue that's going on uh and you don't you don't hear it in the original broadway cast recording but there's a lot of breaks in this song where all of a sudden it'll switch to dialogue and so we finally start to really get a good understanding of who these newsboys are, where we are uh, in history, where we are uh, as a setting in New York City. Um, and we get to uh, uh, learn a lot about the different characters. I just think the song is so effective in, in introducing kind of each character that has, you know, their own personality. Because I feel like just in the first couple of lines of the song, each almost line has a completely different tone. Um, it's like, I mean, almost each line, you can hear each character that's singing has their own voice that they're speaking in. Um, and they're interrupting each other and coming in over each other. It just, it feels very unorganized in a good way, because I think you, you kind of do see these newsies as kind of this ragtag bunch of kids that, you know, they're living on their own. Um, so I think it, it's just, a, it's a great way to, to set them up and a great way to set them up when you have songs like World Will Know and Seize the Day Coming Later when they start to sing in harmony and they're very unified. Um, we, can, we see them start as kind of this ragtag group of kids, and then we see them grow to a unified union, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, so I, I guess it's interesting that not only are these songs switching keys all the time, but they're just, it, it's basically the same melody, but it's mirrored maybe just a few steps up from where it was originally, and it just bounces all over the place. And it gives it a lot of the, a lot of like energy vibes uh, that I think you see all throughout the show. So similar to um, the Santa Fe prologue, uh, the, carrying the banner. That this is this is really the the glue to the score. This the music from carrying the banner is all throughout this because it's the it's the it's the scene setter, and so it it's helpful in transitions. Uh, so it's, it is all over the place. 
And there's really two main themes uh, from this that I could talk about that are uh, throughout, that are heard throughout the score. So there's this one uh, theme that I think is a little more uh, mischievous, maybe. Um, it's played in uh, thirds. So uh, the intervals that you hear are thirds, uh, which gives it kind of a dissonant sound. So it, it doesn't sound very clean, um, mm. which is interesting because uh, you think about that sort of the, the newsies are, there are these boys living in New York City, but they have kind of rough lives. And mm. so uh, it, it's an interesting theme. And let me just play that for you from the piano. So here, there's, there's something a little mysterious, unnerving about it, but then at the same time, it's kind of like bouncy and I don't know, it, it, it's an interesting combination of two, uh, two, two things that you can really relate to these newsboys. Um, and then um, this, uh, this theme is, it, I said it's used throughout and I just wanted to point out uh, one other way in which it's uh, sort of like the Santa Fe theme that it's transformed to set up this different kind of emotion. Uh, so I'm going to play real quick. Uh, it's played in a minor key when the headline is being uh, written. Uh, so you remember that from the show if you've seen it. Uh, but this, go ahead, sorry. Favorite lines is when one of the newsies like they're killing us with that snoozer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right before that uh, that line comes, here's the the theme that's being played. So same theme, but we've got a uh, minor key now. It gives, gives it sort of a, a different feel. I think that comes back in World Will Know when, uh, when Jack is kind of writing strike on the, on the board as well. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess we could associate the minor, that minor carrying the banner theme with the headline uh, from the world then. Uh, so it's, it's cool how Minkin uh, keeps some consistency and gives us the same music uh, that relate to some, something that's going on on the stage. Uh, and then the other theme that we see often from this uh, from this song is a much happier theme. It's in uh, thirds. Did I say thirds for the uh, for the first theme? I might have. It is. <laughs> it's sorry. It's fourths. The it's in, the intervals are fourths, uh, and then this interval is is a third, which is a happier sound. Sorry, I made a mistake there. <laughs> well, I I read that Alan Minkin uses thirds like I think. Lots of people do, but but yeah, I don't know if you've uh, if you've heard Alan Menken talk about. Uh, there's some interview that I watched on YouTube about Alan Menken talking about how he writes uh, his uh, scores are very hymn-like. Interesting. So no. th the way that the way that a hymn is written is there are four notes that are being played all the time. So you you have like your soprano, your uh, alto, your tenor, and your bass, and so it's just like it's just like very steady four notes being played, and uh, at, at Minkin's scores are like this, 
where mm -hmm. a lot of times it's just like steady beat and then you've got four notes being played all the time. If I were to play like a Jason Robert Brown or pass a Paul score, there'd be a lot more rhythm to it. And there wouldn't be, you wouldn't have like four notes present at all times. And so that's, that's go ahead. It's so interesting because I feel like I've seen so many things that are like, why is Disney music so catchy? Like, why do we remember these songs? Like from when we were little to, to now, we still remember them. I feel like that's maybe one of the things that Alan Minkins music is just, it's simple and it's really catchy. Right. It's also, it's also, uh, it's nice for me because his music is a lot easier to play on the piano. <laughs> I have a, I have a really hard time playing. My, my hardest thing of playing the piano yeah. is rhythm. And so playing Pasek and Paul and Jason Robert Brown is so hard. But when you come to Alan Menken, it's just like, it sounds so simple, but it's so, it's so pretty. <laughs> uh, so, okay, we're uh, getting a little off track here. Here's this sort of uh, happier theme in thirds, not fourths, but in uh, thirds. And so here's that second theme. And it's used also as, both of these themes are used as melodies that are sung, but then they're also used as underscore and as playoffs. Uh, as well. So yeah, so we got uh, a second theme. It's a little happier. It's it's still bouncy and uh, it's it's easy to change keys and so sort of the same, sort of serves the same purpose, but it's just a little lighter, I think. That's always one of my favorite ones when they get to that point where they're like, I'll jump to Grand Central Station. And I feel like it's just such a cool moment. It just come, it just changes the tone of the, the song and they're all like kind of quiet and bouncy. And I, I always love that part, yeah. Right. I've, I've mentioned playoffs a couple of times and you, miss, you mentioned transitions. Um, and uh, so a playoff is just music that's, you know, you sing the song, it's over, the audience claps, and then there's music that plays after that, uh, during which the scene is transformed. Um, and what's cool about Newsies is a lot of these playoffs are sung, uh, there's, there's lyrics accompanying the playoffs, so you, and the Newsies are like actually singing. Um, and so you hear that with Carrying the Banner and with World Will Know and uh, Seize the Day. So that's, it, it's kind of something that's unique to Newsies. It's kind of cool. And I'll train them to be like an army that's marching to war. Proud of themselves and so grateful to me, they'll be begging to pay even more. When there's dirt on our shoes... Okay, so now we move on to... Uh, it's maybe the the low light of the show. Uh, we have these were the, the the next three tracks. I feel like were the tracks that we would skip when we were listening to the soundtrack at home when we were just in the car um, listening to these songs. Uh, so the first one is the bottom line. This is the song that's sung by Joseph Pulitzer, who is the antagonist of this show. Normally in, especially in Disney movies, where there's a clear bad guy, there's this song that uh, is the song that the bad guy sings to be like, I'm the bad guy and these are my plans to be bad. <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I compare it to uh, Poor Unfortunate Souls from The Little Mermaid, Be Prepared and The Lion King, um, which Alan Minkin did not write. But um, uh, so anyway, this 
This song is a little weird. There's uh, some uh, swing patterns in the bottom line. There's this uh, there's this swinging pattern. I don't have it on the piano, but that's played throughout the song. It's a very light sounding melody, which is kind of weird for the the guy who's gonna be the bad guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It's just kind of odd. I feel like it's just, it's, it's telling you, it's progressing the story, which, you know, songs in musical theater, that's, that's what they're there to do. Um, and I feel like this is, that's, that's the main purpose of this song is to, to progress the story, introduce you to this character and his motives, um, almost kind of the antithesis of an I want song almost. Um, but yeah, it, it serves its purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the star of our show, Miss Meta Larkin. Next, we have That's Rich, which is a song sung by Meta Larkin, uh, who, still not really sure who she is or what purpose she's, she serves in the show. You got any clues for me, Liz? She, she helps Jack out. Oh, I would say she's, she's I don't know, <laughs> she, she's, she adds interest. She's another female voice to add to the 20,000 Newsies on stage. Oh, yeah, hey. <laughs> Go her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I I went over a little bit. The this is a classic. It's 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 a vaudeville sounding song. There's a lot of ragtime vibes. It's just sort of a break in the show uh, where we just get some solo vocal performance, and it's it's sung very very well. Um, but uh, it's 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 odd to me that there's a sort of a break from the plot so early in the show. Mm. Um, but maybe this is more like world building because I mean, as you were saying before, this song is where you get a lot of the ragtime themes. Um, so I think maybe this song is helpful in, in setting you in that world and, and still kind of setting up the show before kind of all of the action is just is kind of rising and then and then you get to the climax. But yeah. I feel like we're playing like uh, bad cop, good cop here because like I, I keep coming up with these like, yeah, I, I don't know why this song is here. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe it's because. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I appreciate it. I got no use for moonlight or sappy poetry. After uh, Meta sings That's Rich, we have um, another song that's sung within this theater that uh, Meta Larkin. Uh, is the owner of and uh, we have a combination of two songs one is sung by Jack uh, it's called I Never Planned on Someone and it's joined then by some of uh, Meta's entertainers it's called uh, Don't Come a Knocking and uh, Don't Come a Knocking is is more of this it's like a vaudeville again sound it's pretty bouncy it's very light but then it's it's covered over by it's, it's a really pretty melody. It, it's again sort of vintage Alan Menken where the only accompaniment is just these piano chords that are just being played in half notes and uh, just really steady rhythm throughout. But then it's just like a really simple hymn-like melody uh, that's being sung by Jack and it sort of gives us a look into maybe his quieter uh, side. 
and gives us an introduction to his relationship with Catherine. Pulitzer and Hearst, they think we're nothing. Are we nothing? No! Pulitzer and Hearst, they think they got us. Do they got us? And then we get into uh, The World Will Know, which is kind of the next big uh, number in the show. I remember one time talking to you, Lydia, and you were like, my favorite part of the show is from the world will know to King of New York or something like that. And and that is definitely, that that section of the show is definitely the most energetic, but it really all starts here with the world will know. It really starts to pick up. Well, what it starts with is there is an awesome, awesome, awesome vamp underneath the dialogue um of this song that just it it kind of to me almost has like a typewriter like incessant beat and it's just going and going underneath kind of all the dialogue and there's like that beat that kind of almost carries through all the way to seize the day so you just like inside of yourself you're just feeling this like rising tension and it goes into like you hit the stri- the strike at the end of act one right so it, it just it, car- it just carries that that feeling so well through the end through the end of act one Uh, Here's the vamp that Lee was talking about that I've played on the piano here. And it just gets played, yeah, over and over and over again uh, while uh, the world will know is going on. Uh, It's just a really nice vamp. It's in the show. It's played with a violin. This is, this is sort of the, the only part in the show where the string section is like really brought out and it's it it's pretty powerful when you're in the uh, when you're in the audience watching the show and you hear this vamp going on. You can just feel the tension in yourself, and and yeah, I mean, I remember listening to this song like in the car on the cast recording, and you know, I didn't know all the like synopsis or the plot at that point, but I was like, okay, whatever these guys are singing about, whatever they're a part of, like I want to be a part of it too. It's just it's it's so well written in that way that you you want to you want to jump on board with whatever they're singing about. And the world will know Okay, so there's a really big uh, theme in Newsies that I want to talk about now. And this is the theme of rhythm. So we talked about how uh, at this point the show just sort of begins to really start building and we get really excited just progressively. It's like something's going on. And that's mirrored by this rhythm uh, that's called, I'm going to talk a little music theory, um, that's called the Tresillo. Uh, It's spelled T-R-E-S-I-L-L-O. So it's a Spanish word. It's called Tresillo. And this is just uh, a a rhythm pattern that is super common in popular music and then also in modern musical theater. And so the way that it works is if I, if, let's say that I had a, a again, a 4-4 four, four, uh, time signature. So I've got a measure in which I have a, a quarter note getting one beat, and then I've got four beats within the measure. So if I were to count that out, it would be like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I've got emphasis on the first beat of each measure. And so what I could do with a tresillo is I switch up where the emphasis is in these measures. And so the way that I would write this out is I would have, uh, 
I would have two dotted quarter notes that get two and a half beats. And then at the end, I would get uh, a single quarter note. So if I were to count this out, it would be something like long, long, short, long, long, short, long, long, short, okay? Or if I were to uh, uh, count out every single beat within the measure, and let's say that I had eight beats in the measure, each getting uh, half a, a beat within the four, it would be something like, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, okay? So you got this steady rhythm that's going on. And I think this is just speculation, but I think the way that it's affecting us is that, so we, ha we have these two sections of three beats, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think what's happening is our brain is telling us, oh, okay, I've seen, I've heard two sections of three beats. I must be expecting another section of three beats, right? But then it messes you up by only giving you two beats and then repeating it all over again. So it gives you this feeling of you're being like lurched forward um, within the score. So it's like your heart kind of skips a beat without realizing it. Oh, it like, I love that. Yeah, isn't that cool? And so I, I think it gives you this like, I don't know, it's some, it, it makes you feel a little unsettled. And this is, I mean, th this kind of beat is all over the place once you know about it you'll start hearing it everywhere and before i get into how it's used in newsies because it's not just in the world will know but it's it's all throughout the score um well I, actually let's let's first look at that vamp that uh, that we were talking about and you can hear the one two three one two three one two throughout it so let me just play that for you again so it's really quick uh but you can count it out and definitely here that one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. I wanna just point out some examples of how this is used elsewhere in musical theater. Um, so I wanna play really quickly Revenge Party from Mean Girls. This is, one of the, this is one of the prime examples that I found and you can hear it just in the beginning of this song. Now you know, Caddy, Regina George is not your friend. We're your friends and we're gonna make her pay. You know what friends do? They got your back and they are fun to be around. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I never noticed it before. Okay, yeah, and so and so there you hear it where it's really quick. You can count out each one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. So we could also have it where we have that beat over a just steady beat where we have one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and. But then on top of that, we have the long, long, short, long, long, short. Let me play you an example of this from uh, Goodbye from Catch Me If You Can. It's my happy ending. Now it's time to say goodnight. We can stop pretending. Tell the spotlight man, turn off my light. Cause the show so you, did you hear at first you had the just... Yeah one and two and three and four and, and then it was joined by these piano chords that have the long long short pattern on it yeah. oh that's really cool yeah so th so that is all over the place in newsies and that i think is what gives newsies such a an intense vibe and so i'm gonna i'm gonna play a few examples from the score now and hopefully I'm not playing too many excerpts, but I, I just think this is really interesting. I, I, I think it just 
sort of gives you an idea of how, why this score is as intense as it is. So first, I want to—you've you've heard it from the the world will know vamp. Now I want to play uh, once and for all, where similar to goodbye, we've got this the steady march in the bottom, and then we're going to hear this long, long, and then the the short beat is actually not going to be there, but we're going to hear long, 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 long. Okay. And then let me just play for you also uh, Seize the Day. Um, so this is going to be the same thing where we hear the long, long, short pattern. So you hear it again right there with Seize the Day. So you're seeing it's popping up everywhere. It's in yeah. No, it's in Seize the Day, it's in Once and For All. And uh, so in those songs, it's it's pretty obvious that it's there and it's there throughout the entire song. Um, sometimes it can be a little more uh, subtle. Um, and so I just want to play uh, Santa Fe for you really quick. And guess what? We've actually heard this before. It's, it's just the Santa Fe theme. Um, and it's actually, it also has this Tricio pattern to it. Okay. So I'm just going to play... Uh, what we actually heard before with this Santa Fe theme transition. And now that you uh, know about the Tresillo rhythm, you can uh, think about how it's being used here. Santa Fe, where does it say you gotta live and die? So a little more subtly there, but you can still uh, hear that it's going on. So uh, yeah, that's that I think is one of the driving forces of the Newsy score. Um, that Tresillo, um, and uh, yeah, once you start playing the score, you'll see it pop up everywhere. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say for the world will know. Obviously, the, the melodic theme that's coming up through it is also played throughout the show. Um, it's played as a playoff and watch what happens. It's played as underscore all over the place. It's again got that rock sound. It's got the 1970s drum beat that we were talking about. Uh, oh yeah, one more thing. I wanted to talk about this random line uh, from at starting at one minute fifty seven seconds that I'll play for you, Lydia. Okay. I lost my shoe. I lost my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen the show multiple times now. I still have no idea why that line is in there. Yeah, who lost their shoe? Where did it go? Did he ever get it back? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, we'll big, the big mystery to Newsies. <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah, this stuff lost you. <laughs> write what you know, so they say. All I know is I don't know what to write or the right way to write it. This is big, lady. Don't screw it up. This is not some little vaudeville. I'm a reader. We talked a lot about carrying the banner. We talked a lot about Santa Fe. We talked a lot about the world will know. These songs just keep on coming, but there's another really big one here, which is a really great, really great song. Watch what happens. Plus a screaming of ten angry editors. A girl, it's a girl. How the hell is that even legal? Look, just go and get her. Not only that, there's this Which is sung by a new character from the movie, um, Catherine Plummer, who is also Jack's love interest. Um, 
And I think this is one of the reasons that people are okay with her character since the movie did have such a huge fan base. You know, I think any changes they would have been kind of upset about. I, I heard somewhere that like Harvey Farstein wanted to change Crutchy's name and people were like, no, you can't change Crutchy's name. And he was like, that's kind of a weird name <laughs> to give a kid with a crutch. Um, but I think one of the reasons that people are very okay with kind of this change in character um, for Jack's love interest is this song. Um, it's such a great song. It introduces her so well. Um, it's a great way to lead into her character. Yeah, it, in the movie, there was, a, there was a really weird love interest with Jack and Davy's sister. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. really weird. <laughs> so anyway, this song, yeah, yeah, this is a, this is a really loved song. And what's cool, what's cool is uh, it, it's not super familiar, even from, from people who like the movie. So it was fun to watch people when we saw the show live react to the lyrics that were being said and watch what happens because it's pretty pretty funny lyrics by Jack Feldman who I, who I don't feel like we've mentioned enough but yeah. <laughs> Jack Feldman Sorry, Jack. <laughs> uh, but uh, this this song is interesting in that a lot of Alan Menken's song don't really follow any like verse chorus structure um, mm. but this song is very uh, you had you got your verse you've got your chorus and then you've got another verse and then you've got a chorus to finish it out and they're, it, they're very distinct you can tell uh, what's going on um, and so you have a you have this verse with really staccato notes. You talked about sort of this typewriter beat. It's got the you know at the time at the moment of the song, Catherine is writing a a news story on her typewriter, and you hear that those staccato violins that uh, really give you sort of that typewriter vibe. And then it's uh, the chorus gets a lot more melodic. It's actually got a tresio rhythm to it. Uh, the underlying music, so Tercio popping up again, um, so just moving it along, um, and uh, one thing that I really wanted to talk about was underscore leading up to songs uh, in Newsies, and we've talked a lot about the intensity, but uh, there's there's just moments when it's um, uh, when you have underscore playing over dialogue, the, the dialogue on its own probably wouldn't be very exciting or intense. But when you play it underneath uh, this uh, score, it's it just like it starts to hit you. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to play the example of that before um, watch what happens is being played. I'm going to play this from the filmed version of Newsies. Uh, hopefully I'll find a way to make the audio for this sound okay, but if not, then I apologize. We'll see how it goes. The modern day David is poised to take on the rich and powerful Goliath with the swagger of one twice his age, armed with nothing more than a few nuggets of truth. Jack Kelly stands ready to face the behemoth Pulitzer. Now that is how you turn a boy into a legend. It's so cool because it is so similar to World Will Know. They almost start in like an exact same way where there's like this incessant beat right underneath the dialogue. It's just like brimming there and building the tension. And it's it's really cool that I was just like thinking of this and that like the Newsies singing World Will Know is kind of the start to their like revolution and their way to kind of more like freedom. And, And in the same way for Catherine, like this is her big break is writing the story. And they start in, in such a same way and, and, then, and then build from there. And it's just cool how this, this beat goes from song to song and it just continues and continues, like just building that tension and rhythm. 
now is the time to seize the day. Stare down the arts and seize the day. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and move on to the ninth track, which is Seize the Day. This is one of the biggest moments in the show. It's the most dance heavy. We've already talked a lot about uh, the tricio and we've talked about the single headed tom drums and the cymbals. It starts with this slow hymn-like sound. It's like an anthem. Again, we have lots of dialogue that's going on underneath. There's heavy percussion. We have some introduction of some snare drums. It's also sprinkled all throughout the show. There's two reprises of Seize the Day. And then the theme is just all over the place. The show ends in the bowels with uh, Seize the Day going on. It opens in the overture with a, a melody of Seize the Day. So we've already talked a lot about it. I don't really have anything else to add unless you wanted to say something with. Yeah, I think this is just the climax of kind of going from carrying the banner where they're all, even in choreography, like, in carrying the banner when you watch it you know on stage everyone's kind of doing their own thing there's no unified choreography when you get to seize the day it's so unified they're all doing the same thing they're all working together and i think that that's reflected in the music as well there's such great harmonies in seize the day um and it, it is cool that it's it kind of starts out you know like they're building each other up and it's very soft and it grows to a you know fight song um at the end and a dance song it has a dance break, a really cool dance break. Um, so yeah, great song. Let's move on to the last track that we hear in act one. And this is Santa Fe. This is the big solo that Jack sings. Um, and it's, uh, we've already heard this melody from the Santa Fe prologue. This is kind of the, I don't know, Lid, would you call this the, the true I want song of the show? I think it was in the movie. Um, so I think it's interesting that it comes, they decided to place it at the end of act one. Um, it's a it's an interesting act one closer. I think you would think that Seize the Day might be the, the act one closer. Um, so I think it is interesting that they kind of add end it kind of on this on this sad, wistful note. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm not, maybe I'm not really the, sure why. I don't know. Do you have any Yeah, I think one of the reasons for that might be because um, Seize the Day is is a really like happy song. They're all sort of celebrating starting the strike. And so if you were to end act one with Seize the Day, it would be like, you'd kind of go into the intermission being like, oh, cool, like everyone's happy, not much conflict to resolve. But then what happens is you've right. got, there's this big fight that breaks out. Crutchy gets uh, hurt by Snyder, who's uh, this Javert-like figure who's, uh, who's running after and trying to capture Jack <laughs> Kelly. Uh, so I think Santa Fe uh, sort of gives us 
uh, something to we're we're worried about something for to get us ready for Act Two. Like Jack's not okay, and and things aren't okay. So it gives us sort of something to think about. Like what's uh, what's going on here? So it it's it goes from kind of that dreamy sound in the prologue to this more restless sound in in this song. And guess guess how uh, guess how Act yeah. uh, Act One ends. It ends on a tresillo, my favorite uh, rhythm now. Um, oh, <laughs> so let me play uh, just the very end. All right, so that kind of does it for us for Act One. And I'm going to be honest, uh, most of the, I think, interesting things to analyze in this score are in Act One. That's a lot of the, uh, a lot of the themes that we see in Act One are the ones that get repeated all throughout the score. So like we talked about, you know, Santa Fe carrying the banner, world will know, seize the day. Those are all themes that carry on throughout uh, the entire show. And then in Act 2, you get a lot of these songs that are kind of just one-and-done songs. So, I mean, they're, they're good songs, but there's not a ton to analyze. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, King of New York, which is the 11th track on the original Broadway cast recording. You don't need money when you're famous. They give you whatever you want gratis. Such as a pair of new shoes with matching laces. Permanent box at the sheep's head races. Strummy on the ride with a sour pickle. My personal puss on a wooden nickel. Look at me. I'm the king of New York. And this is just kind of your classic act two opening number. A lot of times in musicals, you'll open up with uh, a big dance number that doesn't really do a ton for the plot, but it's just sort of to get you back into the feel of the of the show and sort of to get you ready for what's about to go down in the rest of Act Two. Almost like a second opening number, almost to kind of get you back into the world of the show. Um, but I always thought this song was kind of <laughs> interesting because. Jack Kelly has just gone missing. Crutchy is in the refuge. They just kind of lost this strike. Um, and then they sing kind of this really happy tap song about it. Um, so I understand the reason for it being in this show, but I always thought it was kind of weird that they're celebrating being in the paper and two of their friends are missing, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, musically, it's a pretty simple song. One thing that's interesting about it is the accompaniment is mostly just the melody, which we haven't seen much of yet. But so there, there's nothing really special about the accompaniment. It's it's basically just the melody that they're singing. And like I said, this tune shows up nowhere else uh, in the score as underscore. Uh, it it doesn't show up in another song except for in the finale, which which is really weird to me because. It's it if you'll remember from listening to the soundtrack, this is the song that they end the show on. <laughs> it, it, it ends with the of New York. And so it's just kind of weird that it's like uh it, it appears once and then it appears as the last word that gets said. Uh so right. I don't know. It seems a little odd. Um yeah. maybe it's like an ode to New York if you're if you're watching it. 
you know. On yeah, that's way. true. Uh, so after that, uh, like Lydia said, at, at this point in the story, you know, Jack's sort of all depressed and everything. And so that brings us to the reprise of Watch What Happens. Uh, and this is a pretty cool song where it's it, it, exactly the same as the Watch What Happens solo that Catherine sang, um, except that it's a quartet with uh, Jack and Davy and Catherine and Les all singing together. And uh, you'll remember that I talked about how Watch What Happens is the only uh, song in this score that has a verse chorus structure. And this reprise is exactly the same. There's, uh, except that, and this time we just have a single verse and a single chorus that go, that go on here. Um, so we remember we've got the, the staccato verse and then the melodic rhythm. One thing that I was thinking about that I forgot to mention when we were going over the Watch What Happens solo, and it happens again in this reprise, the ending to this song is really cool because at the very end, we have this, uh, this rhythmic melody that Catherine begins to sing, but what happens is at the end, it starts getting underlaid, not by the really melodic accompaniment, but it starts to get underlaid with that typewriter constant mm. beat. And so it's kind of cool to see those, thing, those two things come together. So I'm gonna play that real quick from the, uh, from the solo version, the original version of this song. Um, so you can see that. And also note that this song is also going to end on that Trucia rhythm uh, that I've been talking about. It's kind of crazy how like, it's, it's, yeah, it's like every single song is ending with this. But I just want to play, I want to play that really quickly because I forgot to mention it. And I think it's pretty interesting. So give me a second to find that. And great vocals from Carol Lindsay, who we've not mentioned yet, but also a huge fan of her as an actress and singer as well. Uh, just one more thing, I guess, on the Watch What Happens reprise, and you might not have an answer for this, but why, why do you think they bring back her song, Melody, in this point in the, in the musical? Um, is it, does it have, like, maybe an underlying theme? And again, there might not be a reason. But... Yeah, I mean... Musically, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I could say is in both cases, it's it's a song where something big is about to happen and the people who are singing are sort of anticipating that and trying to decide what to do with that. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I think that's maybe good. Yeah, maybe like a catalyst for some action coming next. And I, I think just talking about like the fact that there's not a lot to talk about in Act 2, I think this is kind of normal for musicals. You get like the really cool, interesting numbers in the first act introduced, and then Act 2 is more for wrapping up the main story plots. You know, things have to come to resolution. So in Act 2s, you get a lot of reprises and you know shorter songs that we're just trying we're trying to wrap up the 
the the plot so that could be i guess another reason as well too bad you've no job jack but you did resign too bad you've no family but you can't have mine. and speaking of reprises uh the next song in the soundtrack is the reprise to pulitzer's uh the bottom line uh so this is just a really quick uh reprise it's basically the exact same melody as the bottom line and it's a little darker um anything to say about this one lynn <laughs> i don't love bottom line in act one <laughs> i don't love it in act two <laughs> but again it's serving its purpose so, yeah. it's tough to get worse than the original bottom line but somehow they managed it no i'm just kidding it's, it's not that bad <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll move along then with uh, another uh, another song that once again, similar to King of New York, is a like pretty fun song on its own, and it's like really catchy. Uh, the song is Brooklyn's Here. This is when uh, Spot Conlon brings his posse from Brooklyn in, and they're like excited because he's going to join the strike with Jack and the rest of those newsboys. And so, but, but what's weird about it is that, again, like King of New York, this tune is nowhere else in the score. Um, but, but on its own, it's a, it's a fun little tune. There's a, it's really heavy on the, we talked about the big band style of music with that march rhythm. So this is basically just a big uh, march. Um, it's kind of, I, I think maybe because it's not really anywhere else in the score, it seems kind of like a forgettable song. I kind of always forget that this song is in the score. I don't know if that's how you feel about it, Liz. Yeah, but then every time I hear it, I'm like, I love it. It's so it's so great, but it is kind of. I think it fits in really well with the the, the other themes of the show and the tone of the show. Um, so it's a great song, but yeah, is is kind of one of those maybe forgettable ones. On yeah, the and I, I just wanted to play you uh, my my favorite part from this song, which is when that it, it's sort of like the second, I guess, verse maybe of this song where the this like harmony comes in. That sounds really cool. So I want to uh, play this for you guys really quickly. They get, they get so high. One of the things that amazes me about, I, I think those are uh, girl, uh, uh, female vocals coming in there. But but one thing that does amaze me about this score is the male ensemble sings so high in this song. It's like I've, I've tried to sing along to the soundtrack multiple, multiple times. And it's like, it destroys my voice. It is hard. And try to do that while dancing and flipping and, and all this stuff too. But right. I was going to say, that's my part of the song as well. Um, I just think the harmonies are great. Um, and I think, again, just following that theme from from the beginning of them kind of coming together and unifying and harmonizing, you have Brooklyn kind of joining in on uh, the action here. So I said that uh, the Brooklyn's Here tune doesn't show up anywhere else in the score. There actually is one spot where it does show up. Uh, this is sort of the transition scene before something to believe in. So it's while Jack and Catherine are going up to uh, wherever they're going up to. <laughs> they're like going up on the scene. But there's a really cool, uh, on the sets, sorry. Um, 
but there's a cool uh, transition that has the Brooklyn Sphere theme and sort of a, a weightier sound, and then it transitions into Santa Fe, which it sounds really cool. I'm going to play it uh, on the piano for you. One thing we didn't mention kind of in act one um, is how uh, uh, most of his underscoring are melodies from other songs that are that have already been written. There's no kind of new musical information. It's all kind of dragging from other melodies. Um, and I was I was watching um, this documentary on kind of how like The Little Mermaid was made, which was Alan Menken's first score. Um, and they were talking about how all, almost all of the like underscoring for the Little Mermaid uh, movie is kind of melodies that have already been sung. There's not a lot of new material there. Um, and so they were saying that was a little bit interesting. And I don't really know if that's normal for musicals. So I'll be interested to see kind of it, as, as we go over more, whether there is new more like musical material and underscoring or if that's kind of a normal thing. Musicals, I'm not sure. That is one of the interesting things that's very unique about Alan Menken is that uh, not only does he, for, for movies, not only does he write the songs, but he also writes the scores to the songs, uh, or, I mean, the scores to the movies, sorry. Um, so yeah, that is something that's really unique about him. And yeah, he does just use the melodies over and over again. Till the moment I found you I thought I knew what love was Now I'm learning what is true That love will do what it does All right, well, we'll move on then to the 15th track. We're getting closer to the end here. And this is uh, the love ballad of the show. It's called Something to Believe in. This is one that was original to the musical that wasn't in the movie of course, because Catherine wasn't in the movie. Um, so this is, uh, I, I think this song sounds a lot different than the rest of the songs in the show. Uh, we, because it's a love ballad, there's not much of the brass going on. That would sound a little odd. <laughs> uh, so we hear a lot of the woodwinds for the first time that are sort of uh, carrying the tune for this. Um, I don't have a ton to say about it. I, I enjoy the song. I, I think it's pretty, but again, it's it doesn't pop up a ton in the show uh, outside of this song. Um, did you have anything to add? I mean, I would say it's, I think it's just talking about how it's it's a you know less brass. It's a little like slower moving. I think it's a great break in the show. You know, you're going from Brooklyn's here to once and for all, um, I believe. And those are just really heavy March songs. And so I think it's just, it just gives, it gives the ears a break, I think in between those two, so. This does sort of become our theme for Jack and Catherine. So it, it is cool to see how sometimes 
that sound does pop up later on in the score. And so I wanted to play uh, just the finale when Jack and Catherine are sort of talking about like, oh, we won the strike, spoilers. So what's gonna happen uh, now? Um, and so let me just play uh, a little bit of the finale, which we'll get to in a second, but just so you can hear where else this uh, tune might be within the score outside of the song. What's New York got that Santa Fe ain't? New York's got us, and we're family. And you've got one more ace up your sleeve. What would that be? Me. Wherever you go, I'm there right by your side. For sure. For sure. So you, you hear that theme again, and it's similar to uh, all the themes that we've talked about previously, where it's really short, just a really quick melody, probably only like two measures, maybe just one, but it's it's switching keys. You can see how in that finale, it's just like that one little melody, but it's played over and over again in different keys. All right, so let's move on to the 16th track, which is Once and For All. And this actually is a track that is all over the score. So we finally made it in act two to a song that's common throughout the whole thing. And this is the song Once and For All. I mentioned that this is uh, another one of the big rock songs uh, next to The World Will Know. Uh, this song actually has two parts. Um, it's got the uh, anthem hymn-like sound in the beginning, and then that also comes in on in the end. Uh, but the second time it comes through, it's joined by those 1970s drums. We listened to that excerpt a little earlier. Um, and then in between that, we get the really quick moving. Uh, we've got the steady march beat of eighth notes going on in the bass. And then we've got that tricio rhythm uh, going on uh, over top of that. This um, melody is, uh, it comes up not only in this song, but it also comes up in a lot of the action sequences within uh, the score. So it comes up, there's a scene uh, towards the beginning of the score uh, where Snyder, the spider, uh, chases, uh, chase, is chasing Jack and Davy and Les also are with Jack at the time. And so we hear uh, this, uh, uh, this music from Once and For All. And then also during some of the fighting that goes on after Seize the Day, we hear a lot of uh, the Once and For All tunes as well, which is interesting because it's one of the few times that we hear this melody before we actually hear it in the song. And so it's kind of cool how maybe it was, it, it's used as primarily as underscore and almost secondarily as uh, a melody that's gonna be sung by the Newsies. I was, it was interesting when I was watching back the show on Disney Plus, it seemed to appear when I was taking notes every time Snyder appeared. Um, so that was interesting. It's kind of got this like almost dark undertone um, that it's kind of serving one of the villains of the show um, in that underscoring. So. 
And uh, I feel like it's worth it just to play the uh, play this again, where we get the transition from that quick movement back to the like okay. rock anthem. I just want to listen to it again, so I'm just gonna play it again. It's also cool to see how it uh, the there's harmonies that are building over top of each other at mm. the end there with just the, the once and for all line. Uh, so that's kind of cool as well. So that brings us to the final track, track number 17, which is the finale. And this is just sort of the track where everything wraps up. Before we talk about this, I, I seem to remember watching the show. It seemed like it took a really long time to finish. Um, and when I was going through the score, there is, uh, bet between Once and For All and the finale, there are a lot of different uh, cues for underscores. And there's like a Seize the Day reprise. So it, it takes a, a, a while for it to finish. I think that maybe that's one of the flaws of the shows is the pacing is just a little slow towards the end. It takes a while to finally wrap up. Uh, but one of the cool things about that is that we get to hear a lot of uh, a lot of the themes come up that we've heard throughout the entire show. So we get to sort of listen to them one last time uh, before everything wraps up. So. In the finale, you, you hear in the soundtrack, you hear the world will know theme, you hear seize the day, you hear something to believe in, you hear Santa Fe, and then you hear Jack sing Santa Fe, and then you get the carrying the banner reprise, and then the random King of New York <laughs> reprise. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a cool way to wrap up the show. All the triumphant songs kind of come back at the end um, but i do think it is interesting to kind of bring back santa fe because his dream is no longer santa fe um at the end which i think is an interesting theme for disney his dream kind of changes it's not it's not really realized um so i think it is it is interesting hearing that theme at the end that you know as santa fe and now his dream has kind of changed maybe we've mislabeled the santa fe theme and it should actually be the dream theme. I like it. Dream theme. It rhymes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The dream theme. I like it. Um, I said that this uh, musical ends with King of New York, but there's actually a super elaborate uh, bows that goes on in Newsies, which is really cool. You get to see a lot more of the dancing. And uh, so that actually ends with 
instrumental version of Seize the Day, which then breaks into Santa Fe when Jack comes out for his bow. Um, and then it ends, the bows end with uh, the Carrying the Banner theme, uh, which is the, yeah, sort of when the Newsies end Carrying the Banner with the loud go. Uh, that's how the yeah. musical actually ends entirely with the bows. And so I think it's cool how it kind of comes full circle at the end. But it's it's such a great, I, I love a, a bow. Like that's maybe one of my favorite parts of a show. And Newsies has a great bow. You get to see so much dancing and each each actor kind of gets to put their own spin on their own bow. And it's, yeah, great way to end the show. Newsies is the best bow, I think. I, I, can't, I can't think of another bow on Broadway that's, oh, better, that's better than Newsies. Can you think of one? It's hard to beat. Well, Lid, we have made it all the way through uh, the score of Newsies. And before uh, I hand it over to you to, to sign us off of this thing, uh, let me ask you a couple of quick questions that I thought we might do for each score. Uh, really quick, give me what's your favorite song in this soundtrack and what's your least favorite song in this soundtrack? Wow, I didn't know this was coming. So now I got to look through favorites. I mean, it changes every time I listen through to it. I, I would say probably overall, it's got to be Seized the Day. I think that's a song that I first listened to from Newsies and I listened to it over and over. Just the harmonies in the beginning and the, then the energy to the end. Um, it's a great kind of almost end act one. Um, so much energy there. And yeah, that's, that's my favorite song. What's, what's your favorite? I, had a, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. I, I feel like it's been <laughs> it's been like changing uh, so much because I've been as I've been preparing for this podcast, I've been uh, I've been playing through the score a lot, and I'll like start focusing on one song, and I'll like really like it. So I mean, I I really like Watch What Happens. I really like The World Will Know. I like Carrying the Banner. I like Santa Fe. I like Seize the Day. It's one favorite. <laughs> Those are my top <laughs> songs in the score. Sorry. <laughs> I know I could do more than one. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, least favorite song. It's kind of sad to end on least favorite, but uh, probably the bottom line as we've discussed. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like a happy bottom bad line. guy song. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. What, what's yours? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the bottom line. <laughs> okay, one more question <laughs> for you that I, I'm hoping we can maybe carry this over to future uh, scores that maybe we'll overanalyze. But um, uh, if you could rank this score on a scale of one to 10, what rank would you give it? Oh, interesting. Um, am I comparing it to other scores? Is that uh, yes. What's your favorite? <laughs> Think about your favorite score. I won't ask you what it is, but okay. that's, that's, okay. Like, that's like your 10. So what is Newsies? Um, maybe a seven to an eight, 7.5. Um, okay. I love it. I love, I never get tired of listening to it. Um, I think there, there's so much variety. Um, and maybe, you know, that's coming from the musical influences that we talked about. Um, but yeah, I, I, I never get tired of listening to it. It's a great score. Awesome. Your ranking? Uh, I'll give it an eight. Uh, yeah, I think oh I think it's yeah I th I think it's a good I think it's a really good score. I it's it's got like the Disney sound, but it seems a little more serious than 
some other maybe things that Disney has done. Um, right. So I, I love to play it. It's easy to play, um, and it's just it's it's like simple, but it's it's pretty, you know. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Take us away. High praise. Um, well, thank you guys for listening and joining on our first ever episode of Broadway Overanalyzed. Um, so glad that you guys uh, are listening and hope you come back for our next episode, um, which we have not decided what musical we're doing. So if you have any suggestions, I think Sam is going to set up an email account and maybe an Instagram. So um, yeah, give us your suggestions. We're, we're excited to be, be doing this and I think I can speak for both of us. We had a really good time doing the research and, and doing this podcast. So thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you later.